Let's look at the next verse, verse 24. Now, I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. There's a powerful verse, isn't it? What on earth does that mean? Now, I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's, Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Because Jesus loved this ruined world, he suffered in at least three ways. One way that he suffered was absolutely unique. Only he suffered in that way. The other two ways, we get to suffer with him. Firstly, he came as a sponge. Jesus came as a sponge to come and to mop up sin and evil and death. To soak it up and to take it away to judgment with his death and his resurrection. That's unique. Only Jesus suffers in that way. Only Jesus pays the price for our sin. Only Jesus dies our death. That was the unique way he suffered. But that wasn't the only way that he soaked up sin. He also soaked up sin because he spoke up for God in a world that hates God. And he also suffered because he chose the way of love and not the way of violence. If we choose to speak up for Christ, if we choose the way of love and not the way of violence, then we will also be a sponge that soaks up sin and evil. Is that good news? Hmm. Not sure about that. So Jesus has dealt with our sin, but as we stand for God, and as we stand for love in a world that hates God and chooses violence, we get to do some mopping up as well. Now if you're at school, or if you are from a community that has a different faith to Christianity, you don't really need me to explain these verses, you know all about them already. What you need is for us as a church to stand with you, to pray for you, and to support you, and encourage you, and to come with you. But whenever we suffer, because we tell people about Jesus, unless of course we do it as a complete jerk, in which case you may well deserve the suffering. But if, if we tell Jesus in a loving, gracious kind of way to people and we suffer, then we can share in the life and the suffering and the ministry and the heart of Jesus. That is a trickly privilege. Verse 25 and 26. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the saints. What I want to pick up here is from the end of verse 25. Paul wanted people to get the fullness of God's word. God's word. Not just a little tasting. He wanted to get this whole revelation of God inside them so that it would change the 
especially people who are not very excited about the Bible. They're all over Jesus, but they're not very excited about the Bible. Because they want to experience God's power and God's love and the reality of God speaking to them in their life. But they think the Bible is dry and boring. But the Bible is how God tells us what he's like. The Bible is how God tells us how life works. The Bible is how God tells us how salvation works. So if you cut the Bible out of faith, you might want Jesus, but you're going to struggle to find him because you've missed the instructions. This is the book that teaches us how life works. And that's why Paul didn't just want a simple four-point outline. He wants them to get the fullness of God's word. Verse 27. To them, God has chosen to make known to the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here is the thing. This is it. This is what Paul wanted everyone, everywhere to get. Jesus offers us to give us a new life so that he can come and fill our life with his life. That's what Paul wanted everyone to get. And if our life is his life in us, then his life will carry us through death and judgment and out of the side into the wide open spaces of God's new creation. That's the message of hope. That Christ offers to plant his life in us to save us from sin and death. So, that's the first part of Paul's work. Paul wants everyone everywhere to know God's offer of forgiveness and new life. He was doing that by making God's word in all of its fullness known to people. But in a world that hates God and fights against God's word, to speak God's word is to open ourselves up to suffer as Jesus suffered. And as Paul suffered. Again, Christ's life interest is just the start. The second part of Paul's work is helping the church to live that new life. So let's begin and look at this second four points about living on maturity. Verse 28. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. We come to know Jesus, but then we need to go on Perfection. And the word perfection here suggests maturity, completion. And just as we get started by hearing the message of Christ, we grow by learning the wisdom of Christ. Christ's life in us is what saves us. Christ's wisdom is what directs and guides us. So Christ will rescue us from a futile, empty, hopeless life into a full, fruitful life if, and here's the condition, if we go on and allow his word, his spirit to fill us with wisdom. Verse 29, 3 verse 1. 2 verse 1. To this end I labour. Struggling with all his energy which works so powerfully in me. I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you 
and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. <coughs> so in the first part, we saw that Paul suffered, yeah? Taking the gospel to everyone, everywhere. Here, he's struggling to build up a church. So who has, who in the room has ever had any sort of experience of leadership or ministry in a church? Okay, hands rise up. Don't be shy. Okay, now, keep your hands up if you found it a bit of a struggle. There we are. Absolutely. It makes us short-sighted. It makes us proud. It makes us arrogant. You can put your hand down there. It makes us foolish, blind, and stupid. Christ's wisdom wants to lead us out of all of that. But it's a slow process. And we've learned lots of really, really stupid, unhelpful habits from sin. We're too confident in our own opinions. We find it hard to listen to each other. So, church is always going to be both beautiful as Christ comes to plant his life in us and transforms us. And it's going to be a bit crazy as that runs up against all of our sin. And it's going to be a right struggle. But at the same time, that life of Christ that life of Christ that has been planted in us, that is our hope, also gives us the power to keep on struggling. Sometimes things go really badly wrong in church. Sometimes things fall apart and the only thing we can do is walk away. I've had to do that a couple of times in my life. Sometimes you do need to walk away from church to get really broken and becomes really damaging. But we're spiritually doomed if we walk away from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Church is family. And because church is family, that makes it really hard, because family is really hard. And at times it's great fun, at times it's wonderful, at other times it's so painful. You've got to stick in and you've got to work at it. Christ's life in us helps us to keep going when it's rock hard. Verse 2. My purpose is to be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God. The wisdom of Christ is not about becoming a smart ass, yeah? That's not what the wisdom of Christ is all about. The wisdom of Christ is about learning how to live together in love as God's new humanity. There's a challenge for us. Look around the room. We're totally different. We're different ages. We've got men. We've got women. Different cultures. We don't all speak the same languages. We've got to work out how to be a family. We're going to have to work out how to love each other. And as we do that, as we learn to live a life of love, we get to know God because God is love. Yeah? It's in learning to love one another that we find out what the heart of God himself is really like. Church is where we learn who God is by loving each other. So wisdom is not just an idea in our head. It's a life of love lived out in community. A life of understanding, a wise life, 
the light of love. So this is what we go on to when we meet Jesus. We meet Jesus and go on to live a life of love and we serve God in the world as part of his people. Now let's look at the end of the verse 3. Last two words of verse 2 say, namely Christ. And then verse 3 says this, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's a meeting at the end. We were challenged by the question, don't we think we've learned anything more from the time of the Bible writers? And I'm like, well, yes, but more importantly, no, we haven't. It's in Christ. It's in Christ that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. Now, in the first section we looked at today, we saw the mystery that was going to be unveiled was Christ in you, the hope of glory. The secret way through death, the secret way through judgment and into the new creation is to have Christ's life planted in us through the Holy Spirit. Here, Paul says the mystery of Christ is that all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in him. Yeah? So if we get Christ into us, and in him we find all the wisdom we knowledge we need to live, how to live. The secret of how to live is to learn from Christ. The secret of life is to have Christ in us. The secret of how to live is Christ in us. Christ gives us new life. Christ leads us and teaches us how to live that new life. Lastly, we baptize six people. Hallelujah. Fantastic. We've baptized loads of people over the last few years. Quite a few of the people that we've baptized have drifted away from church. Some have gone to other churches. That's fine. Praise God. We're very open-handed. Wherever God decides to use people, that's great. Some have stopped engaging with God's family altogether. That's a spiritual disaster for them, and it's a spiritual disaster for us. Only Jesus can save us from death. Only Jesus can teach us what it means to really live. Only together can we be all that God has called us. There are lots of reasons why people drift away from church. A lot of them are very understandable. Here's my advice. Don't be one of them. Praise God. You're here today. Fantastic to see you. Fantastic to see me as well. We're hanging on in there. Jesus hasn't saved us so we can ignore him and then have a nice life and then check back in again at the point where we need a solution to death. That's the ultimate in foolishness. Jesus wants to give us wisdom to move from a futile life to a full and a fruitful life. To drift away from his family is to drift away from life and into death. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to lift our whole life out of death and into the full life that he has for us. Don't allow ourselves to be the person who becomes ensnared in sin and death for a second time. So that's our job as church. To get this message of Jesus, the one 
who when his life gets planted in us can save us from sin and death. And the other half of our job of church is to help people unlock the new life that Jesus has for us as we learn from each other and from him. Let's pray. Jesus, you're amazing. The one who loves you and needs you. The broken, the dead, the lost. And you found us. And you've shone your light into our darkness and you've breathed your life into our death and you've made us new. And I pray that you help us to hold on and to go on and to stick with you and to take hold of the life that you've got for us. And I pray, as a church, that you would help us to share that with this world around. And just to look at the news reminds us how desperately the world needs you. Help us to be faithful to the call you've given us. Amen. Amen. Amen.